clap your hands for that. And uh, man, we're grateful to God. Well, listen, um, I'm in a series called Exit Strategies. And, uh, <laughs> and I want to jump right into this lesson on today, uh, Exit Strategies. And we're going through the book of Exodus. And some of you got an email and text from me this week if you're on our list. Because we're going to be in the book of Exodus all month. So I had our team create a Bible reading plan that we could go through as a church so that we could read Exodus together all month. I got so excited last week, I didn't even tell you about it. <laughs> so <laughs> if you want the plan, they're going to put <laughs> some information on the screen that way that you can get it. And uh, it's better late than never. That's all I can tell you. It's my fault. But if you want to join us on this journey, it's going to be incredible. Exodus chapter number 15, verse 20 says, Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand. I would bother that a little bit. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to bother it. I'm just going to read it again, and then you think about it. Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister. Okay, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, Aaron's sister, a woman, prophet. I'm not even New Testament, I'm Old Testament. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got it. Okay, then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he's highly exalted. Both the horse and the driver he's hurled into the sea. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? I want to tag a title to this text and talk from this subject in our time together. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about me. I'm just talking. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here's the subject. My thinking is stinking. My thinking is stinking. Clap your hands if you're ready to receive. God's word. <clears throat> I want to ease into this introduction with an axiom that is relevant to this revelation. I think God wants us to receive from the book of Exodus. And the axiom for my note takers is as follows. Here it is, family. You don't change your life by changing your life. You change your life by changing your mind. I'm going to say it one more time. I think I need a better amen than that. You don't change your life by changing your life. You change your life by changing your mind. Yes, sir. The first step in getting out of anything is getting your head out. And if you can get your head out, then everything else has to follow. And I want to pause even in this introduction and make what I believe to be a prophetic proclamation. And that is your head is getting ready to come out. 
Now, some people are going to assume that that's just religious rhetoric, that that's just some church colloquialism, that, that that's just some phrase that's being used to try to elicit a response and make people enthusiastic in the sanctuary. But I'm not saying that just to say it. I'm saying it because I believe I got to eavesdrop on a conversation that God had with a prophet Isaiah, and he told Isaiah to tell his people, that my word does not return to me void but it accomplishes all that I send it out to do and it prospers the thing wherein I sent it so in other words when God is speaking a word come on God is not just articulating what he wants you to know God is announcing what he's getting ready to do he doesn't talk about exits just to talk about exits. He starts talking about exits because it's your season to make one. He starts talking about exits because he's getting ready to part the Red Sea so you can walk through. He starts talking about exits because he's getting ready to knock down Jericho walls so that you can walk through. And I don't know who this is for, but this is your time to bust a move. And if you are willing to walk out of what God wants you to walk out of, then you are getting ready to walk into what your eyes haven't seen and your ears haven't heard. I'm looking for somebody that's on your way out to shout, I'm out. Don't call me, I'm out. Don't text me, I'm out. Don't try to bring me back, I'm out. I cried too long to get out to stay in if you want to stay in stay in but as for me and my house I'm out I'm out I'm not confused I may not be out physically I may not be out relationally I may not be out financially I may not be out professionally but because I'm out mentally Everything else is getting ready to come out too. I want to know, am I talking to anybody that will say I refuse to wait until everything else get out to shout? I'm going to shout because my mind's out. The quality of our life is dependent upon the quality of our mind. And all throughout scripture, we find examples that substantiate what I'm saying. One of the most important ones is found in Romans chapter 12, when the apostle Paul says to believers in Rome, he says, do not conform. Come on, am I in the book? I said, am I in the book? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by working hard. Be transformed by striving harder. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen to what he says now. The transformation of my life is connected to the renewing of my mind. That word renew simply means renovate. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. 
Did you hear what I just said? Just as a building might need to be renovated to replace old, worn-out structures with new, fresh materials, our mind needs to be renovated to replace old, unhelpful ways of thinking with new, godly thinking patterns. Did you hear what I just said? You see... When there's a renovation, sometimes, watch this, sometimes when there's a renovation, uh, there's, there are some things that get upgraded. But then there are some things that also get demolished. And renovation looks messy before it gets beautiful. But if you are willing to survive the messy season, then God will bring you into a beautiful season. See, some renovation requires demolition. And there are times where God allows demolition of things on the outside. Because he's really trying to demolish a way of thinking on the inside. We might think the devil is destroying something externally. But God is using what the devil is destroying externally to demolish a way of thinking internally. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, I don't know if y'all can handle this. I said I don't know if y'all can handle this. God's like sometimes... If that wasn't destroyed, then your way of thinking regarding that thing wouldn't be demolished. So I had to let some relationships be destroyed so that your way of thinking about relationships could be demolished. I had to let some friendships be destroyed so that your flawed way of thinking about friendships could be demolished. I had to let some aspects of your career be destroyed because you would have settled for the wilderness when I've called you to Canaan. So I'm trying to demolish some thinking. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, destructive thinking patterns coming down. But that's not all Paul says. When that scripture's quoted, that's often where people stop. But that's not all Paul said. P.D., what did he say? He says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the ruin of your mind. Then, then, you will be able. See, there's, you're not able until the then. Some people are trying to be able, but they're not on the other side of the then. And we're like, God, where are you at on the other side of the then? Where's my blessing at on the other side of the then? Where's my breakthrough at on the other side of the then? Then 
you will be able to test and approve. One translation says, prove what God's will is. <laughs> it says, when you have a transformation, the transformation is going to be the result of a renovation. And the transformation that comes from the renovation is going to allow you to be a demonstration of all this stuff you talk about God. Y'all missed it? Paul is talking to believers in Rome. At this point, Christianity is a new religion. And so people in Rome are worshiping all sorts of stuff. So they don't understand some of the things Paul is saying. So Paul is telling believers in Rome, these people need some proof. <laughs> you telling these people God opens doors that no man can shut, prove it. You're saying no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper, prove it. You're saying what the enemy meant for evil, God will work it for good, prove it. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God is getting ready to make you a demonstration. You're about to be proof that he will do exceedingly. I feel something getting ready to break out. Give me a real mic. Somebody give me a real mic. I feel something getting ready. I feel that there it is right there God is getting ready to use you to prove some stuff about him here's our problem our problem is we're trying to prove stuff to people about us and God says, what I'm getting ready to do is not to prove some stuff to people about you, but I'm about to use you to prove some stuff to people about me. Touch not mine anointed, do my servant no harm. I'm proof, I'm proof, I'm proof, I'm proof, I'm proof. If you want to know how good God is, I'm proof. If you want to know, can you bounce back? I'm proof. If you want to know, can you recover? I am proof. You can be seated. The, the, but the entrance, entrance into this kind of life where you're proof requires an exit, an exodus. 
out of your proverbial mental Egypt. Now, last week I unpacked Egypt. I can't unpack it again for the sake of time. But one of the truths we talked about in terms of what Egypt represents scripturally is not just that which is evil, but that which is irrelevant. It's not that Egypt is wrong. It's just wrong for me now. Let me go to this side. It's not that something's wrong with that. If you like that, God bless you. I don't mind you liking that. Have at it. Enjoy that. But for me, that represents Egypt. It represents that which satisfied a version of me that no longer exists. Because my evolution impacts my appetite. <laughs> there was some stuff I had an appetite for when I was an inferior version of me. But now that I've leveled up, so has my appetite. And there were some things that satisfied me that no longer satisfied. You got to come correct in this season. That old version of me didn't have boundaries. That old version of me didn't have self-respect. That old version of me didn't know who I was. So I took stuff I shouldn't have took. But in this season... But we've got to make a mental exodus because Egypt is not always evil. It's just irrelevant. It served its purpose for that season. So we're not saying that the mindset is wrong. We're saying it's not relevant for you now. And if you're comparing the mindset God's calling you to have with the mindset other people have, you will be satisfied because you are gauging your success based on the stagnation of somebody else. Hiya! See, just because you're better than others doesn't mean you're growing. It may mean they stuck. But you got to ask yourself based on what God's trying to do with my life. Based on what he's trying to do with my life. What mindset is required for his mission for my life? Not is it better than others. And I don't know if y'all ready for this. I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But sometimes leaving a certain mindset also necessitates leaving other people who had it. Because some of us, the only thing we have in common with some people is reminiscing over a version of us 
we no longer want to revisit. All we're talking about is our dysfunction. All we're talking about is the dumb stuff we used to do. I don't want just people in my life that have a common past. I need some people in my life who have a common future. And Israel is an example of this. They make a physical exodus out of Egypt. Their location changed, but their mentality didn't. So what does this mean, Darius? It means they are out of Egypt, but Egypt is not out of them. Egypt, that season of suffering, that season of stagnation, is a season that also molded their mind in a way. That even when they came out of Egypt physically, they survived, but their mind didn't. See, here's the way Jesus puts it in John 10. 10. Y'all can be seated. I got 14 minutes. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> I got 14 minutes. <laughs> Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, most of the time when people are, are interpreting that passage, they just focus on the kill and destroy. But Jesus emphasizes calling Satan a thief. The first thing he calls him is a thief. Because what he does most is steal. And here's what's crazy about a good thief. A good thief steals and you don't know you've been stolen from. <laughs> a good thief steals something in your past. You don't even know it's gone until you reach for it in your present and you realize I don't have it. And some of us can relate to this. A good thief can not only steal and you not know you're being stolen from. Sometimes they steal and you don't know where it got stolen. Some of us have been in Egypt so long, we don't know what season stole something from us. See, when we don't understand that the enemy is a thief, we can be celebrating simply surviving Egypt. We can be shouting, I survived, and high-fiving, I survived. And sometimes while we're celebrating survival, the enemy's saying, but I didn't send that to kill you. You survived, but your dream didn't. You survived, but your optimism didn't. You survived, but your focus didn't. He stole. But I want to know I got to go. I want to know, am I talking to anybody that's got an attitude with the enemy? 
I want to know if I got anybody that's got a little kingdom knock if you buck in you. That's going to tell the devil, you're not going to steal from me. And I just sit here and have a pity party. I want everything the devil stole from me. Somebody tell the devil, don't play with me. I'm not one to be played with. I'm coming after everything God's got. I got 10 minutes and 43 seconds. Here it is. They come out of Egypt, but it takes a lot longer for Egypt. Did you hear what I just said? It takes a lot longer for Egypt to come out of them because just because I'm out of the season doesn't mean the season. It doesn't mean that the season is out of me. Just because I'm out of the relationship doesn't mean the relationship is out of me. Just because I'm out of the church doesn't mean that toxic, abusive, exploitive church experience is not out of me. It's in the text. Because Israel literally just experienced a series of events where God uses Moses to convince Pharaoh to let Israel exit out of Egypt. But I want y'all to notice something that happened. Because I think sometimes we tell the story, but there's the Bible calls, the, the Bible says that the Bible, what do you believe about the Bible, Des? I believe what the Bible says about the Bible, and it says that its riches are unsearchable. So that means I can read the same thing a million times and get a million different lessons. Right? All right. So watch this. It says, when the king of Egypt, who's Pharaoh, was told the people had fled, they changed their mind. And his officials fled, and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We let the Israelites go and have lost their services. We've lost their services. So the reason they're chasing them is not because they want them, Jay. They want their services. Because some people don't get a revelation of your value until you go. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, once they were gone, they were like, wait a minute. We just lost. So when we were together, you couldn't text me back. You couldn't take my call. You couldn't make time for me. But now that I'm gone, you blowing up my line and you want to talk. You don't miss me. You miss my services. So Pharaoh chases them. And Pharaoh represents whatever has held you hostage or oppressed or stuck in a certain season. Pharaoh can represent habits or behaviors that pursue you. 
I'm just looking for the honest section now. That's honest enough to say some Pharaoh chase me every now and then. You think you through with that. You think you over that. You think you beyond that. And then here comes Pharaoh again. Because new seasons will keep feeling like old seasons when you're dealing with the same Pharaoh. But God said, Moses tell the people, even though he's chasing you, I'm getting ready to bring this 400 year cycle to an end. And the enemy you see today is an enemy you will see no more. You get to a point where God knows how to break the cycle and break the pattern and say your season of fighting that Pharaoh is coming to an end. I'm not saying you aren't going to have any more problems, but it's time to stop having that one. Text says... They're pursuing them, but notice what happens. Exodus 14 verse 19 says, Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. Y'all missed it. The angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. There's the repositioning of divine presence. The angel was in front until Pharaoh got behind him. And once Pharaoh got behind him, the angel got behind them to get in between Pharaoh and Israel. Now, if you've had a perfect past, be quiet. But if there's some things in your past that God kept from showing back up in your future, you ought to give him praise for getting in between you and your Pharaoh. So text says, text says, they get to the edge of the Red Sea, and Moses is like, Lord, what are we going to do? God's like, I got you. Verse 21, Exodus 14 says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. I want you to see, because don't misinterpret this miracle. The key word is, all that night. So when we think of the Red Sea story, very often we assume it was an immediate miracle. That's not the text. The text says it took God all night to do it. Did you hear what I just said? All that night. So it didn't just turn into dry land instantaneously. All that night the wind was blowing. So the wind was blowing before the waters were parted. This is only for my prophetic praises here. The Red Sea may not be parted yet, but can you praise him because the wind is blowing? It hadn't happened yet, but the wind is blowing. The door hadn't opened yet, but the wind is blowing. The way hadn't been made yet, but the wind is blowing. 
I feel the wind blowing in my direction. So text says, Israel walks through on dry ground. Pharaoh and his army try to walk through on dry ground. Israel walks through on dry ground. All they have is feet. Pharaoh has horses and chariots. Israel makes it through. Pharaoh doesn't make it through. Pharaoh should have been able to make it through because he's got horses and chariots. Israel don't have what Pharaoh has, but they still can go where Pharaoh can't go because that's the way favor works. You don't have to have a chariot, but you got favor. You don't have to have a horse, but you got favor. And the Bible says they try to walk through Pharaoh and his army try to do what Israel did and the Red Sea collapsed and they drowned because you drown when you try to follow a word God didn't give you well they stepped out and launched their business God told them to do that he didn't tell you to do that well they stepped out and they moved God told them to do that So God, Tario, has just worked this miracle with water. And so we read in the text, when they get on the other side, they have this praise break. I mean, in in, uh, chapter 15, verse 20, Miriam, I mean, she gets a tambourine and they're celebrating their exodus. That's verse 20. Four verses later, they go from celebrating to complaining. They were celebrating how God brought them through water. Now they're complaining because they haven't had water. And now when they run into water, the water is undrinkable. They go from celebrating to complaining in four verses. It took that little to take your faith. The complaining is not the problem. I'm done, Tario. The complaining is the symptom. It's a symptom of a mind that's been molded in Egypt. Because they're complaining about water when they just experienced a water miracle. You should know from the Red Sea, God can fix the water stuff. But they had a mind that was molded in Egypt. And that mind that was molded in Egypt had a few traits, and I'm going to share these traits with you, and we'll go home. One of the traits of this mind that's molded in Egypt is a short memory. And I don't have time to unpack this, but this is what some of you are dealing with with your friends and your family. They got short memory. Israel is celebrating in in verse 20, complaining in verse 24, because it only took them four verses to forget. And some people that's complaining about what you're not doing in your 24, have forgotten what you just did in your 20. But Israel has a short memory. Like, God's like, hey, I, I, I literally, I just, I just brought you out. Their short memory caused unnecessary anxiety because the current crisis they were facing paled in comparison to what they had already gone through. So if God can part the Red Sea, certainly he can make undrinkable water drinkable.
Like, they weren't even really dealing with real adversity, comparatively speaking. This is just an aggravation compared to what they went through. But how's your God memory? Is it short? Have you forgotten that what you're currently facing pales in comparison to what you've previously come through? When you compare what you're in to what you've come through, it's not even adversity. It's just agitation. Lord, deliver me from a short memory. Here's number two. They had a suffering mentality. They were so embedded with suffering in their past that they accepted it as normal in their present. Pharaoh made them a victim in Egypt, but they made themselves one in the wilderness. They were so accustomed to suffering, they didn't know how to live without being a victim. So even when they really weren't a victim, they made themselves a victim. Because they expected to suffer. Can you enjoy the fruit of God's goodness in your present if you're expecting something to go bad in your future? Some of you are in an amazing season right now. You can't even enjoy it. Because you're expecting something to go. You're waiting on something to go wrong. God deliver me from a it's too good to be true mentality. I, I feel this. I, I just heard heaven on this. Some of you feel this way even with your success. I hear you, Father. You are uniquely successful, but you're still dealing with high levels of anxiety because you don't believe it's going to last. I heard that. It's not going to last. And God's like, the rest of your life is your season. You're not just in a season. The rest of your life is your season. It's going to last. He gave them shoes that didn't wear out in the wilderness. It's going to last. He didn't give them new shoes, but he gave, he, he, he gave the shoes that they had a lifespan. God says, I put creative. I talked to y'all about this last week. Creative abundance is on the inside of you. So when this brook dries up, Elijah, I'm going to send you to Zarephath. I'll use what I need to use in the season you in to feed you. I'm your source. And the same way I gave you this idea, I hear you. The same way I gave you this idea, I'll give you another one. 
cannot have a lack mentality regarding creative abundance. I'm attached to the God who is infinite when it comes to ideas. He does not have an idea shortage. He will not run out and as long as I am connected to him, neither will I. I'm done. Thank you, Father. Here it is. Short memory, suffering mentality. Number three, suspicious of Moses. The pain in Egypt made them so paranoid. Now they're suspicious of the one that's been assigned to help them. They are so used to being used. They don't know how to manage somebody that wants nothing from them. Pharaoh had so abused and misused them that now they are suspicious of the one that God sent to help them that doesn't need them. My question is, are you punishing your Moseses because of your Pharaoh? Moses says, I didn't do that. Pharaoh did. I am here because I love you, not because I'm using you. Moses is like, I am here because God sent me. Not because I sent myself. Who are you not letting in that is God sent? Who are you keeping at arm's length that is God sent? What relationship should you be nurturing differently that you are not nurturing differently because of what happened with Pharaoh? I'm going to stop there, guys. Because God wants to, to release you of this before this next season of your life. Because the Moses is that he's getting ready to send you are not just people to help you be who he's called you to be. I hear this, but to help you build what he's called you to build. God's like, what I put in you is not all in you. What you need to do, what I put in you, isn't all only in you. I put some of that in a Moses. And I'm going to start sending them. But you need to be ready for them. Because you're in a season where you don't have enough time to take Moses through your proof test. You don't have seven years to figure this out. You're going to have to discern spiritually and quickly. God's going to have to talk to you about them. And I said this last week. All that God is, is all that we need. He is nothing that we are not. And if he discloses himself in Exodus as the God who delivers and sets us free what self, from what self-help and self-will cannot set us free from then that is a God he wants us to experience. Sometimes prayer is a strategy. 
Lord, I got my mind stuck by myself, but I can't get it unstuck without you. So here are three things you got to do. Number one, feed. Somebody say feed. feed. What does that mean, Darius? You must intentionally feed your mind that which aligns with scripture. Just as the body thrives off what you put in it, so does the mind. Jesus describes the mind as a field. And he says when people are asleep, the enemy came in and sowed wheat, sowed tares among the wheat. When you're asleep, when you're not conscious, seeds are being planted in your mind. And they're choking out that which God wants to grow. Because of what's being fed. Number two, filter. You must limit and filter out that which is unhealthy, unhelpful, and unholy. It means that you've got to be way more resistant and boundaried when it comes to what comes into your mind regardless of who it's coming from. It means you even, it doesn't mean the elimination of relationships always, but sometimes it means the limitation of certain conversations. It is sometimes, y'all not ready for this. See, when you have a messianic complex, you think you always have to be their shoulder to lean on. Because you think you're the only one God can use to help them. Sometimes you in a season where your faith is so fragile that you can't handle people who are in a season of cynicism even though you love them. So they start spewing how bad things are for them on you and they mean well. You're just not in a season where you can hear it and not carry it. Your faith's too fragile now. You don't need help being discouraged. And number three, fight you must push past passivity you've got to arrest apathy because acquiring and maintaining a kingdom mindset requires intentionality mentally you catch sickness you don't catch health health requires intentionality and it requires fighting even when you feel like I'm losing I'm a fight because we follow after those who through faith and patience inherited the promise look at me Callie, Soraya and, and Trey you have You can't stay here mentally. You're not allowed to. It's not your choice. He's chosen for you. You're not allowed to stay here. You gotta fight. And today I'm praying that God gives you the grace to fight. 
Father, I thank you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I am surrounded by you. I thank you for grace being released to fight the good fight of faith. I pray that over your people now, deliver us from thinking that is stinking. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands. Come on, give him praise. We got to go. It may look like. It may look like.